Hello humans. Hello humans. December 14th, 8.46 a.m. Uh, another driving day. Gotta go and get the necessaries. Anyway, so I'm gonna rattle on about uh, protocol two and protocol three of our little examination thing. Um, so when we first set up the group, uh, it was decided that we would proceed with a uh, certain rigor, a developed and agreed upon uh, method uh, for doing all of this stuff, right? For examining all of this. And so we decided that we would uh, establish a baseline and then work downward, so to speak, or upward, whichever way you want to think about it, uh, in terms of complexity. And so we have protocol one, two, three, and four. And uh, they, they become increasingly complex as we uh, advance. And so protocol one was the uh, basic things that we could establish with as little speculation uh, as was possible at that time with our knowledge. And, uh, and you know, geez, that took us like, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or more to work through all of this and, and sort out, throw out stuff that, that was too much speculation, either ourselves or someone else, and, and on and on. So it was a fairly rigorous method. Very much scientific, uh, very much scientific um, uh, approach to things, and also um, had elements of like uh, code reviews, where we would, every time we got together, we would um, go through everything and establish, reestablish that baseline, see if anything's changed. So it's like, you know, reading code in a, at Microsoft or someplace where everybody works on it and then it's all, uh, we think it all works and then everybody reads over it just to see if there's anything that anybody else missed. In any event, though, so protocol one is the, uh, the understanding uh, that we're able to deduce and uh, retroduce from existing circumstances of the now. And um, uh, this understanding is that at some point in the past, likely beyond 6,000 years from our current time, there was an expeditionary force, and it, and it may have been 12,000 years ago, we just don't know, but it was sometime further back than 6,000 years. But there was an expeditionary force that may have totaled as much as a quarter of a million individuals that landed on Earth, and uh, basically they set about taking over these uh, space aliens. They were called various things in various places. They were here for many thousands of years, and then they took off. The expeditionary force itself, which we're, it, it, it's true, we're characterizing that as an expeditionary force. It might, it could also as, um, equally be characterized as perhaps a remnant of a civilization from somewhere else, or a migrant civilization that had no a firm base for whatever reason, right? And so uh, these are these are beyond Protocol Four. Those are those are other aspects. Those are side little um, speculations that we have to get into. In any event, though, so the expeditionary force takes off. At that time, 
a, a small subset of that force, numbering less than a thousand individuals, uh, set up shop in three places, or, or didn't set up shop, they, they uh, relocated to three different places uh, on Earth. And this was uh, the, um, the far edge, the heel, so to speak, of the Saudi Arabian uh, Peninsula uh, that we now call Yemen. And this was also the Mesoamerican area uh, down into Guatemala, but up into the southwest, Arizona and that kind of thing, right? So that block of Mesoamerica, uh, the northern Mexico, um, uh, southern United States, southwest United States, that sort of thing, right? A uh, fairly large area there. And then Antarctica. And so uh, at that time, uh, some number of thousands of years ago, which we, which according to our uh, literature, uh, uh, in the form of scriptures, etc., etc., uh, seems to suggest that it was about um, two thousand years ago, right? More or less, right? Anyway, so uh, maybe no, it was actually okay. So we have to figure in the Gans. So that was when they left. Okay, that was when the uh, remnant, the garrison—that's what we call it—is the garrison. Um, and so uh, when you leave, an, if you're a hostile invading force, when you leave, you, you have a group that is dedicated to protecting the leaving, so to speak, right? The, the garrison that um, uh, keeps the hostile natives back and so on until all of your ships are loaded and everybody. And so you collapse your balloon from the inside out is the, is the way you think of it. And um, anyway, so uh, about 2,000 years ago, um, these remnants left. All right, we call the remnant the L, or the Anunnaki here in the um, uh, in North America, and um, uh, relates to the the Middle East area and how uh, they name the aliens. Well, so the supposition is, or our, our protocol one continues, and it says that these people left. As I say, approximately 2,000 years ago, they relocated. Um, so they were there maybe about um, 1,800 years, perhaps, something in that range. Um, uh, they were uh, the group was in Mesoamerica, and the other group was in Antarctica, and the third group was in uh, the Middle East. And they hung around for, as as we say here, for maybe as much as 1,800. The consensus is that it's probably much closer to a thousand years, though, and that they they were there for a thousand years and they scooted off. Okay, so that's basically um, Protocol One. Now, Protocol One has a, a stipulation to it, and that stipulation is that it is presumed that that everything that resulted as as a um, or everything that was a result of these space aliens that we now see in our humanity is essentially uh, natural, or as we might characterize it, an accident of nature. Uh, so that is to say, it was not, or that, that's protocol one. And so, because there's no complexity in, involved in that, it doesn't increase the complexity of the situation to presume that it was simply organic and natural and occurred as a result of these uh, sets of circumstances. 
All right, so protocol two deviates from that in that it has this extra layer of complexity. And the extra layer of complexity is uh, that the, um, the uh, elements that we find in our uh, humanity now that go to religions that where those religions were connected to these space aliens, both the original expeditionary force and the smaller force that was left later, or may have come on its own. See, there's all different kinds of complexities there as well. It may have been, they may have been a part of an opposition, we just don't know. But in any event, so there was this, the group of the L, the Anunnaki, and the things that they did in Protocol 2 were not an accident, okay? So there was an element of a design uh, in all of the interaction of the, uh, um, the space aliens with humans, such that part of the strategy of all of this uh, was to, when they left Earth, to leave behind the religions. Okay, so the idea is, all right, so we see in humanity uh, that there is a naturally arising... Um, set of circumstances that produces religions or what we characterize behavior that we characterize as religion we see this in world war ii and there were these cargo planes right these little tiny cargo planes that took um material war material to far distant troops uh, and outposts and so on uh, in the south pacific these cargo planes had to fly long distances they needed to do what was known as island hopping and so a number of military bases, basically just crude airfields, were scraped out on top of hills all over these islands throughout the South Pacific. Um, New Guinea, et cetera, et cetera, right? And in, on those islands, we find a curious effect that we now call the cargo cult. But it's truly a religion. Uh, the airplanes would land. They didn't want any trouble with the natives. So they would give the natives stuff. The natives had never seen this kind of stuff. They were quite thrilled. They were just gaga over it, uh, and they uh, love these, uh, these um, uh, mystical, magical beings that would descend from the sky and give them all this bright and shiny stuff. And then one day the beings didn't come anymore. And so the, the humans didn't know what to do, but there was no more shiny stuff. And so they set about doing things like, so on, on more than one island, they decided that the way to do it, to call back these uh, mysterious beings from the sky, was to build replicas of the vehicles that they used, of the vessels that they used. And so these natives built surprisingly um, detailed and accurate <laughs> replicas of small cargo planes <laughs> out of native materials. You know, and these are like... Um, uh, icons. They're uh, a fetish in the old sense of the word, a thing, right? And uh, and it repli replicates something else in appearance and uh, feeling, but not in actuality. And so we, we see the humans naturally do this kind of thing. And so it can't be discounted that this is all, quote, an accident of nature, just and it's an accident of human nature in wanting to have... Um, the comfort of religion, etc., right? Uh, and to have shiny stuff. And so uh, 
the so one way of thinking about it is that indeed because humans have demonstrated that uh, we do do this kind of crap this is all organic and, and natural now another way to think about it is that it's part of a larger strategy that the space aliens um, either knew that humans did shit this way or um, they uh, uh, inculcated that tendency into us in some manner. Uh, so it could have been induced or it could be just part of our, our natural makeup. Uh, in either case, um, uh, it's there and they decided to, to uh, pursue it, take advantage of it, use it or so on, right? So it was utilized. So it was a designed in element of their presence here. And so that's that's fundamentally the departure point for protocol two. Okay, so now, um, obviously, if you think about things as though this was a designed in element, then you get back to the idea of why would the space aliens do it? What does it benefit them to have this inculcation of religion, etc., etc.? And you start uh, coming up with some conclusions like it benefits them if they're coming back, right? Because then they could slot right in as a takeover, uh, not have to worry about whatever kind of um, uh, uh, mess they're coming back to. Uh, you know, because they would have like preconditioned the natives to uh, accept their presence as the boss. There is lots of evidence to support Protocol 2. There's also tons and tons and tons of not or, or very close speculation, very close to the facts speculation uh, about Protocol 2. And so we, um, there's, uh, so, so, all right. So at this point, protocol two seems to be a very likely, uh, descriptor of what happened here on earth, uh, in the ancient past. And it, it provides us with some understanding of why we are as we are now. Protocol 3 is a more minor variant of that, okay? That it's not part of a strategy, but that it was a tactic that was um, employed uh, by the L, the Anunnaki, the people that were over here in um, Mesopotamia, uh, you know, um, uh, Judea, that area, right? And so uh, that, that the L and the Anunnaki decided to use that as a tactic for their own purposes while they were here, not intending for necessarily for any follow-on uh, advantage uh, should they return. So in Protocol 2, the idea is that the space aliens knew they would be leaving and that this was a designed-in uh, part of their process to gain them some advantage for when they come back, should they come back. But it was nonetheless designed in uh, from the top at the get-go. And Protocol 3 is that for whatever reason, the remnant force and or it could have been a follow-on force, it could have been an opposition, so the El and the Anunnaki could have been fighting the people that we call the Theoi and the, and the Devas who were part of the larger expeditionary force 
we just don't know, right? So it could have been a case that the El and the Anunnaki were a small group of space aliens that were in charge or, or were uh, tasked with following the large fleet that invaded or, or uh, sent their expedition to Earth. And that they're just keeping track on these guys for whatever purpose. So that, that presumes, that, so Protocol 3 presumes that there, there's a, a potential that there were actually two groups or more than one group because it could have been three or four, we just don't know. Um, but there was more than one group of space aliens, and they had their own relationships with each other, uh, independent of whatever was going on down here on Earth. And that, that uh, those relationships pre-existed uh, their arriving on Earth. And that's uh, that basically the deviation between Protocols 1, 2, and 3. Now, Protocol 3 even though it does not have the larger, uh, the element of strategy and merely is using uh, religion as a sort of a happenstance, happenstance kind of tactic uh, developed by the um, uh, remnant group that was here for whatever purpose. And so even though it doesn't have that strategy, it actually has more complexity because of the potential for serious variation in um, uh, the circumstances that uh, among the, the space aliens themselves. And so we get off into some huge complexity of Protocol 3, and it's just a, it's actually kind of a drag when we actually get into it, just because it's so tedious and there's so many uh, splinterings, right? So many points where it splinters into three or four or five or six reasonably uh, minor speculative points in terms of their, they seem to be reasonably sound, less speculation, but nonetheless a splintering, you know, in the sense of, okay, so are the L the Anunnaki? Are they both the same beings, different uh, descriptions, uh, different languages? Are they two different groups? Are these groups uh, either as two or as one different from the uh, larger expeditionary force? And it just goes on and on and on with all of these questions that we, we really don't have any answers to. There are some things that we're hunting for that may give us a, um, a sense so that we could speculate a little bit um, more accurately about some of this. But nonetheless, there's a, just a lot of complexity in Protocol 3 that really doesn't exist in Protocol 2. It's really straightforward. Yes, there's all the uh, minor elements of, the, of speculation in Protocol 2, but the essential point of it is that it is a designed-in strategy to leave behind a um, mental preconditioning in the natives such that should you come back, you have an inbuilt advantage in dealing with those natives you know so it actually makes a lot of sense protocol 2 is 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 in my opinion far more likely than it being a uh, organic and you know quote an accident of nature or rather an accident of our nature nonetheless this is a situation that we have at the moment that we have religion almost all the religions can be traced back to some form of uh, uh, characterization of a cargo cult, 
okay, some form of an interaction with space aliens around which we build uh, an emotional structure and hold it in our mind, and we call this emotional structure uh, the religion. Any, in any event, though, so um, Protocol 2, with this stuff as a strategy, uh, again, in my opinion, more likely than not, is the it is more likely than three, and also, in my opinion, is more likely than one. And um, it's the most interesting in my viewpoint because I think that the WEF, the World Economic Forum, the Kazarian Mafia, uh, I think those guys are adherents to what we would call Protocol 2, okay? Even if they don't know it, even if they don't put it out on the space aliens that they deliberately left the religion. So even if they assume that it's like protocol, even if the Kazarian Mafia assumes that it's like Protocol 1, and that is to say an accident of our nature and so on, uh, I'm of the opinion that the Kazarians are the ones that are really whipped up about this second coming. That they, they have a, um, a major premise in their understanding of reality, and uh, that major premise is not only that the space aliens are coming back, uh, but that they're coming back explicitly to interact with the Kazarian Mafia. So again, so it's a, this is a yet another variation on Protocol 2, in which the uh, Kazarian Mafia has like taken it personally, right? And so um, I'm of the opinion that um, that the Kazarian Mafia and some of their actions um, can be predicted uh, by us by the uh, by the basic assumption that they have around the second coming. Uh, again, whether they perceive it as a deliberate or a leave behind or an accident doesn't matter. They're sort of hooked on it. And we can make some predictions about how they will do things uh, relative to this because of the way in which the... Um, okay, so because of the way in which the religion that, that they claim to follow... Um, uh, because of its effects on them. Uh, so, uh, all right, so, unlike, all right, so, let's see, uh, there were many religions, uh, about 2,000 years ago during all the Bible times, right? And, uh, one of the main religions was the stuff that we now call Farseeism. Um, It, it relates to the Phoenicians, and it relates to the Sea Peoples. And a lot of the stuff that is within that comes from the Sea Peoples. This label uh, has been applied to those people that were following the Talmud. Now, now, at the time of Jesus, Moses, and stuff, these people were not Jews. They were Judeans. They had n There's never been a Jew that went to Palestine except in modern times, that went to Israel except in modern times. No Jew has an ancestor that lived in the land and with the tribes of um, that included Jesus and Moses and these guys, okay? This is one of our premises. We, we can establish this. And um, 
So the religion that they had at that time was not Judaism, okay? It was not Judaism as we know it. It was uh, related to uh, the religion that the Phoenicians practiced. And the Old Testament is just a tale of what these people went through dealing with the space aliens. It's not really a religious text in that sense. Uh, it has been made so because of the uh, mis deliberate mistranslation and editorializing of that in order to create a religion such that monarchies and stuff could take advantage of it. And this is actually one of the reasons that we get the idea that this was a leave behind by the space aliens, simply because we do have this organizational structure that seems to replicate to a great degree that form that the space aliens used. All right, so now the religion at the time, the, okay, so uh, the Talmud was codified, claimed to have been codified uh, uh, in like 500 AD, something like that, right? The fact of the matter is the Talmud did not exist um, during the uh, time of Jesus and all of the Bible stuff, all right? The Talmud references the Old Testament. It references books that were created at the time and events that were created or happened at the time of uh, biblical um, events. Uh, so it's referencing those, so it was written after. We also know that many of the books in the Talmud were essentially formulated, uh, perfected, if you will, uh, in, in what we think of as the Middle Ages. So thousand years after Christ, that sort of thing, right? Uh, so none of these practices that these people uh, have were in effect within the tribes that, that they have labeled as the Jews. So there were 12 tribes of Yemenis that were conquered by the El, the space aliens, and they were forced to have a long march. This was their exodus. And they had to march the whole length of the coastline all along the Red Sea, what we call the Red Sea now. Um, and, and they arrived in Judea. That was the exodus. They never left Egypt at all. They were never in Egypt. Okay, so it was rewritten and, and um, it's all fake news as a result of the translation by these 70 scribes that were commissioned by some Greeks to do this. The Greeks that were doing the commissioning were the elites, right? And so they uh, had a particular editorial bent that they wanted put in there and they put it in there and they altered all this stuff. And then we have translation upon translation upon translation and deviation and so on. Some Bibles differ, some Old Testaments uh, within the Bibles differ from each other by 60% of the word mass. Um, so it gets into some serious deviations there. In any event, though, so Talmudism, Judaism, was not practiced uh in biblical days, Moses was not a Jew. He didn't relate to anything that was in the Talmud. He didn't practice the rituals that they've got there, any of this sort of thing, no matter what the claims are. And this is, a, you know, this is part of the stew we're in now. And all the crap we've got to deal with is all of the, um, uh, the Kazarian Mafia hijacking um, uh, the Bible for their own purposes 
creating anti-Semitism, they're not Semites. They're not Semitic people. And, and <laughs> anti-Semitism means that, you know, you're going to be prejudiced against uh, Palestinians or Yemenis, uh, not Jews. They're not Semitic. Anyway, though, so we get to this point where uh, uh, we're in the global war and all of this stuff is going to be coming out as we get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it all. I suspect it might be 20 years before we get into a real examination of um, uh, these space aliens and stuff relative to our ancient texts, absent some uh, major events happening. Either the space aliens themselves come back, or we get a situation where, um, you know, we get a bunch of um, information coming out of Antarctica, stuff that's like irrefutable, can't be denied kind of stuff, and... Um, uh, then we go from there, and we are forced to have this discussion. I think this discussion will come up anyway as a result of the Kazarian Mafia being eliminated and their, um, and all the documentation that they've squirreled away and, and hidden. So they're really weird because, uh, say there was a, a, a book out there that, that, they, that said bad things about the Kazarians, and they paid all of the... Um, Secondhand booksellers to keep an eye on it, and when it came in to be sold, they picked it all up and they they uh, took them all away and they got all the copies. These guys would destroy all but a few copies. They keep part of uh, the information that they destroy, a copy of it, for their own purposes. And so I think that a lot of this shit's going to be coming out as the Kazarian Mafia is. Um, uh, degraded and eliminated and whittled away. And and we'll see this happening, I think. We'll see some aspects of that happening in eh, relatively short order. I mean, less than a couple of years, probably. Because we're going to go through some major events relatively quickly. The major events will create um, uh, situations of chaos. The chaos will allow the... Um, information to come out and to spread rapidly because there won't be gatekeepers, there won't be people around to say it's bogus, and there won't be um, mainstream media to uh, pile on it and uh, uh, and uh, try and debunk it or layer it over with um, yet more crap. And uh, we've got people that are getting really good at doing research and investigation on this shit. And as they do more and are more successful, they get better and so on. And that's where we're at at the moment. So I actually suspect that we'll see something that we can, um, some elements of evidence that uh, Protocol 2 is the most likely relative to uh, the three. I mean, they, I just, you know, it's difficult to see uh, a lot of this stuff as an accident of nature. Anyway, though, um, getting in here to where I'm going to pay attention to driving and uh, get ready to do some stuff. So that's really the difference between the protocols. Uh, we've got protocol four identified and um, it gets off into some other weird shit. And then we're, um, we're gonna stop at 10 if we ever develop a, a full 10. I think we can codify it uh, down to protocol four and then just have uh, uh, deltas, deviations off of each of the protocols that inform us of a, uh, instead of a major protocol uh, change, it simply is a, uh, a minor variation. And we'll see uh, 
going forward here just how accurate we are on some of this. Again, I suspect that, that we could, if the, the bastards would let us get at it, that we could confirm or falsify some of these protocols relatively easily with stuff that is just sitting around in Antarctica. <laughs> so anyway, you know, these bastards are uh, keeping shit from us. And that really annoys me. Okay. Um, anyway, guys, uh, got to run, got to do stuff here. So um, just to let you know, because I'd had some questions about, okay, so what's protocol two, what's protocol three, and so on. I'll talk about protocol four when we've got it um, a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, there's a lot that that we're still uh, uh, thrashing out ourselves. All right, got to go. Okay, take care, people.